This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Skydiving. This is amazing. Yeah, but you know what else is amazing? An iPhone 6S for just 49 bucks at Metro. Really? Imagine streaming all the way down with that amazing camera. I'm switching. That's smart. You know what else is smart? Parachutes. Woo! Switch to Metro and get an amazing iPhone 6S for only 49 bucks. Metro by T-Mobile. Phone offer requires port in of number not currently active on T-Mobile network or active on Metro in past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Take the baseline out. Uh-huh. 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 Let it bump go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. I am Dan Favalli, coming at you this time without my co-host, Andy Bailey, who is selfishly, I believe, holed up with his wife and family somewhere, just watching sports on about 3 to 27 different screens. I am, however, pleased to be joined by NBA Math's own technical director, Arjun Bardwaj, and he is here to talk about the 2017-2018 Chicago Bulls, also known as the 2030-2031 NBA champions. How are you doing, Arjun? I'm doing great, um, and I would count it more like 2025. I don't know if Zach Levine's knees can hold up that long. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Um, I just feel like this timeline, as long as Garpax is in charge, you know, that's the timeline we're looking at is about closer to 20-something years, two decades, they'll be back in the NBA Finals? Well, it depends on how many draft picks they uh, keep trading away when they decide that they're going to rebuild. Hey, this is their <laughs> one year to tank before the NBA's lottery rules change and they get equal odds with two other teams at best. Yeah, and then they'll have to sign a bunch of bunch of vets to fill in all the gaps and hopefully get, get to like a Brooklyn level of like, hey, you're actually supposed to suck, but the roster's actually looking decent. I'm not. I'm just full disclosure. There, I'm not excited to see this Bulls team at all. And I guess so. We should we should probably find a starting point. Uh, the Bulls are rebuilding. 
They traded Jimmy Butler over the offseason. They broker a buyout with Dwayne Wade. They waive Rajon Rondo. They're finally committing to a rebuild that it seems like they've kind of danced around for a few years now. Um, are you happy that they're finally at this point? I'm not happy they're at this point. I'm happy that that they're doing it. Um, I mean, clearly, I'm a Bulls fan. I would love them to be winning games, but but it wasn't going to happen with this roster. Um, Jimmy Butler uh, deserved to go deserves absolutely deserves to go to a place where he's going to win, um, and I think it's a great fit in Minnesota, uh, especially working with Tibbs again. But but the, I officially we need... feel bad for whoever has to sign Jimmy Butler to his next contract now that he's got uh, two more years at least under Tibbs. Dude, it's his his entire body is going to fall apart at some point. 45, 40, 42 minutes a game is what what I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, no, I uh, I'm a huge fan of the fact that they finally that Garpacks finally hit the reset button. Uh, I think they did most things right with this. I have some qualms with some of the draft picks, uh, or at least trading away uh, the number. What was it? 12 or 16 something like that it was the, i think it was 16 right they traded away in that jimmy butler deal uh mm-hmm. not sure why you're trading away draft picks when you're completely rebuilding but i guess butler had been on the market for so long that they just had to take what they could get um and then also the jordan bell thing which everyone had jordan bell as they're like oh this guy's gonna be the stud second round guy um sleeper everyone go get him and then they sold him for what two million Three million, yeah, to the, to the Warriors. Mm-hmm, three million, yeah. Uh, I don't. So the Jimmy Butler thing, and we're so far removed from this that it might not matter. But that's something that could actually set this rebuilding process back a great deal. You do not trade a pick in that deal. Yep. You don't. The the pick swap was just stupid. It was it was literally dumb. And I think you hold out for a better offer. Overall, and let's let's just say that the the secondary market wasn't good, and at that point Minnesota was offering you the most. I don't think one it would have been a deal breaker if you were like, no, we're we're gonna use the 16 pick ourselves. And I love first of all, I love Justin Patton. I'm upset because Tibbs is never gonna play him, and we probably won't <laughs> see him in the NBA, NBA game for about three or four years. But the the second thing to me, and I feel this way, it relates to Paul George and the Indiana Pacers, like just flipping wait until the Boston Celtics figure their ish out in free agency because you don't think they would have offered there were these rumors coming out after the fact that they weren't they didn't believe in Jimmy Butler's fit but like he had two years left on his deal which is about as much as you're going to get uh, a superstar now like we're not you know the Bucks aren't going to trade Giannis Antetokounmpo in either of the next two seasons when he has four and three years left on his contract respectfully they would have given up probably close to what they gave up for Kyrie Irving, if not more. Uh, they're straddling two timelines, and they seem to be focused on the future, so maybe you give up a little less. But they would have given up a monster uh, package for Butler, I would assume. And you know what? If they don't, you go back to Minnesota, and that same deal is still available because who the hell were they going to get uh, for that <laughs> package that Tibbs would have wanted? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair point. And and I guess I guess it's sort of a excitement that that they finally hit the reset button um but i can tell you i was angry in the moment uh because they traded that pick like why why are we giving up a pick in a rebuild i mean it's exactly what you said right it's stupid someone else was probably going to come around but 
as we've gotten further into it, I'm just sort of glad that that we're not sitting on this this weird this weird limbo where we're offering we're signing Rondo and Wade way past their prime to fill out a roster and to be start actually not even to fill out a roster to be starters on this roster. It just it, that that offseason last offseason blew my freaking mind. I mean, you guys pawned Derrick Rose off on the Knicks, so that was yeah. kind of a stroke. And Noah. Team. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> that contract, they, they were literally bidding against no one, but yeah, let's give them $73 million. Uh, Yeah. The, the trade looks worse, though, because Chris Dunn didn't really show anything offensively as yep. a rookie in Minnesota, and Zach Levine's working his way back from an ACL injury, and a lot of his game is kind of predicated on his bounce. That's a problem. He's Right now, I think the last report I saw on him was basically he's playing one on zero. So he seems like he's at least a couple months away, and there's yeah. not this clear timetable on his return. So if you know if Zach Levine never gets injured, this is a deal that you can kind of spin, right? Um, but it's uh, worse because not only is he injured, but you have to make a decision on whether you're going to pay him a crap ton of money next summer. That's that's my big concern. Um, the Athletic put out a great article today talking about is should the Bulls just pay the max now? But like you haven't seen anything from him post injury. So you can't can't really do that. Um, and if it's the max, pay. you just wait. Like if it's the max, yeah. Like if it's anything, I can't remember what his cap hold is. But like if he's not, um, we're gonna assume that they want to use some of their cap space next summer. Like maybe you target if they're smart, they'll target like these some of these restricted guys because you you know right. let's not try and fake enter the LeBron James conversation. But unless he's gonna give you like you know his cap hold's supposed to be nine point six million. So that's actually really low. I forgot how kind of low he was drafted. But if he's not going to give you like a discount from the max, or if it's going to be anything within five to seven million per year of the max, like just keep your cap space and that flexibility, and 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 see what happens. So I, I would not be again unless he's like he senses his ACL injury is a big deal, and he's willing to go. I don't even know four and fifty five to sixty might be the highest I'd go on him right now. Yeah, I'm I'm probably with you on that. And I think the other report that's come out now is that he can jump higher than before. So my dumb brain is going to be all in on that. Was he using a trampoline? I don't think it's specified. <laughs> <laughs> he can jump really high if he gets a little push. Just a little push. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't – I mean, ACL injuries, I don't want to say they're kind of what whatever, but – uh, Chicago yeah. knows their ACL injuries. Right, with I mean, Derek, very athletic point guards. Right, and <laughs> I, Levine's a better shooter than Derrick Rose, so like you can always lean on that a little bit more. Yep. Um, and there are people who came back from ACL injuries, and and they're fine. They're they're still good. Derrick Rose is just this extreme like example uh, because of how many injuries he suffered. You're looking at his like meniscus problems. I just. Uh, it just in there's uh, to me right now the most valuable piece the Bulls got in that trade was Laurie Markinen, and that's only because he's this unknown in the sense that you don't know what his ceiling is, and you know what Zach Levine's ceiling probably is. You just don't know if he's going to be able to reach it because of the ACL injury. Uh, Chris Dunn is kind of an unknown. At yeah. the same time, though, it's not like a good unknown because you saw what he did on offense last year. And the fact that you're looking at this and you're you're saying, as you like to call him, Baby Dirk is your best asset <laughs> at this point, it's just that's indefensible to me. Yeah, I mean, Chris Dunn is a tr- 
atrocious on the offensive end. Just absolutely atrocious. And um, he didn't really show – I mean, he showed a little bit yesterday. I think he went five for eight uh, against the Pelicans. And, I mean, whatever. It's preseason. Uh, so he showed a little bit a little bit of improvement. But, but man, I don't I don't know if he ever develops that offensive game. I know it's only, what, he's second season. And I'm convinced that Garpax thinks this is, like, one of those classic, oh, he still, he still uh, was just in college, and now he's a rookie again, and now we have two rookies. I'm not sure what Garpax thinks or if they're, if they're convinced that. All. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's probably the case, right? They're probably, they probably just saw his college highlights and are still playing off that. I think it helps that he shot 35% from three. Um, in his third year at Providence, and then 37.2% in his final year. And the volume, uh, especially in his final year, he jacked up over 100 attempts. So there's hope that he can kind of come off um, that dismal 28.8% three-point clip in Minnesota, who who doesn't do a great, who didn't do a great job spacing the floor. Excuse me. I just can't. Maybe you wound up. The, I can't shake this feeling that at best, maybe you wound up with a sweeter shooting Marcus Smart. And perhaps that's okay. Like, I don't know. Like, if he was, if you told me Chris Dunn was going to be this dead eye shooter and he was going to defend up like Marcus Smart does, then that's a really good player. But that's a, what is that? That's a, a top, I don't know, four or five player on a playoff team. Like, that's not someone that's, you know, like, can Chris Dunn, is he going to do a better job running some pick and roll? Or are they even going to give him the opportunity to do that? And that, you know, that kind of segues into the bigger conversation. What in the hell is going on with just the guard rotation? Like, what? Like Cameron Payne is just there. We assume he's done. You still have Jaron Grant. Uh, Denzel Valentine is can run some point. The same with Zach Levine. They're like these combo guards who want to have the ball in their hands. I'm, I'm honestly just, I, what do you do? Like, who is the person you're turning to first? And maybe it's a little bit easier now because I, I think the obvious answer would be done because Levine's on the bench right now. But who are you turning to? and looking at and saying we are going to try and develop you as our primary floor general or we want you to be the primary ball handler. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess it is it is a little bit of a cluster that entire point guard situation. I don't know if I really like Denzel Valentine running the point. Man, that dude looks so lost all the time. I I just don't think he can be a court general. Um to be honest, I'm I'm like all the way in on Jerry and Grant. I think he can improve. I think he can continue to improve, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one who rises to the top or, uh, out of this rotation. As much as Chris Dunn was highly touted, right, coming out of college, um, I I don't know if he ever. I don't know if he's shown. I know it's only been a year, right? I don't know if I I can see him turning into that full full blown general. Um, especially with point guards needing to develop that sort of that offensive game now, um, more and more. I, I, so I think my answer, my hot take answer would be Jerry and Grant's going to run a lot of point this year. And I think he's going to thrive as much as a 12 or 15 win team can have people thriving <laughs> on it. <laughs> hey, don't skip ahead of the projections just, just yet. Spoilers. <laughs> Uh, Jer- doesn't it feel like Jaron Grant, and maybe it's because he spent um, all – he's at Notre Dame for five seasons, right? Yeah, I think he was at five. He was there for five. And um, I- I- again, he's been traded twice already in his career. Like, it feels like he's been in the NBA for a jillion years, and, and he's literally just going to enter his third season. Yeah, he's only 25. 
he's got, I mean, he's physically, he's good. And I think he's got the instincts. Um, and he's been good. He's been good out of the PNR. Uh, so I think if he can add value scoring that Chris Dunn has not shown yet. Um, and, and I mean, he had a good, he had a good day, uh, last night too, but, but yeah, so if he starts, if he starts improving offensively, I think he's going to be the guy who runs this. I think he almost, I think he put up, I want to say he almost put up a double, double last night against the Pelicans, but, but yeah, he's my bet, man. I I guess that makes sense. Um, but to me, I, I feel like you. It would be done for me, just because I yeah. think you have to be in youngster accumulation mode, and Dunn is only entering his second year. He's a little bit younger at 23. He projects as a much better defender. You have him under you know, his rookie scale for three more years as opposed to Jaron Grant, who's at two. Uh, I, I, neither seems like an ideal choice. <laughs> Jaron Grant, if you want offense and any kind of spacing on this team, he shot 49 of 134 from three-point range last year for 36.6%. But when you look at his college numbers, you look at his rookie season, uh, that just feels, is that even close to sustainable? It's just, I mean, he shot well in the corners as a rookie and last year as well, and that's always kind of an okay indicator of potential. Uh, His free throw percentage was also, he didn't shoot many, but again, it it was high 70s as a rookie. Another good sign. He's at 89% last year, and and those are things that people use as harbingers for shooting. But you need you you need spacing out of the out of your point guard position. And when is the last time that the Bulls had a legitimate floor spacer at point guard? Like Derrick Rose soaked up all those years. You go into Rajon Rondo, who again shot well from three point range last year, but he's still the guy that people are just gonna completely abandon. And Jaron Grant is not on that level. It, and the Bulls, I don't know that they would have an an answer it's right now well Jaron Grant hopefully his three-point percentage just sustains or maybe Chris Dunn shoots a lot better because they don't have a proven shooter outside of Zach Levine in that backcourt yeah no that's I mean that that makes perfect sense to me I I could go either way but I I I would bet on Jaron Grant I don't think either I think both of these guys have huge warts on them um I don't think either of them are going to be that answer, right? They're not going to be that that floor spacer, and maybe one of them develops into it. But I don't think there is going to be a floor spacer on the Bulls this year, <laughs> unfortunately, from point guard. Who's who's their best shooter, healthy shooter right now? Because Zach Levine is he's their best shooter. Like that's not, and there's not even yeah, anyone who's who I would say is close on the roster. He's he's not going to play to start the year. Who who is their best shooter? Is it Justin Holiday? Is is it Miritich? Are you riding the Zipser train? I I'm riding. I'm gonna be honest. I'm riding the Justin Holiday train. I think he could easily be the number one scorer on the Bulls this year, which again isn't saying a whole lot. But but I think the dude could be a legitimate two way player. I think he's got good body to to play defense, play up, play up. Uh, Play defense up to the four and play down to the two. Um, so I, but and I think he can shoot well. I think he's potentially hitting his like prime, and he's on a sick contract, right? It was it's two. What is it? Two by nine, or yeah, nine 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 by two. I think whatever whatever that way is nine million over two years. Um, yeah. And I mean, he's popped around literally everywhere um, in the especially especially in the East Coast. 
especially a bunch of bottom feeders in the East Coast, 76ers, uh, Hawks, your Knicks, your Knicks. Um, Don't associate me with that trash team <laughs> that refuses to play Chris Dobbs um, at center ever. Yeah, so I, I honestly think that that he can shoot and play defense. I think he's one of those two-way players, like a, a poor man's 3-and-D guy. Uh, or a poor, a poor man, sorry, poor man's uh, th- two-way wing player. But, but I again, I don't think it's saying a whole lot. Dude's 28. Uh, I don't know where he factors into the future of the team, but I'm I'm guessing that that this is where the points come this year. Yeah, I mean he's he's interesting. They and I'd be I'd want to see them. The the Knicks did this kind of. It was infrequent, but it was more than I thought they were gonna do it. He's someone you can kind of try and make runs and pick and roll. And that might just be if you want some shooting from that primary playmaking spot, you don't necessarily have the wings to play this way uh, all the time. But uh, you, know, you can jumpstart pick and rolls with him and, and maybe Nikola Miritich or Laurie Markinen. Like that might be just an interesting look uh, to run some pick and pop with with those guys and see how it turns out. It's the, the timeline doesn't align because he's 28, like you said, but his contract's a steal. Um, you're hoping that you get in the Michael Porter discussion this year, and, and you will because you're going to be that yep. bad. Uh, but th- you know things get interesting once Zach Levine comes back. Him and him and Zach Levine could make a nice one-two punch. Uh, maybe he's just a guy who just helps bridge the gap, and he's a quality player. And when his contract's up two years from now, he'll be 30. Who knows where the Bulls will be? He probably still won't <laughs> cost too much. Like might just have that guy who's good to be around the locker room. And and I think you're right. He is kind of that hobo's three and D guy. And the, the only reason he might be there, too, is he hasn't necessarily had the volume or the consistent playing time to prove himself. He's played on some pretty shitty defensive teams, too, uh, last year just looking at the Knicks. So yep. uh, I, I really like him as well, and I don't, I don't have a problem with that signing. It's just he, he is him and Paul Zipser are your wing depth. And I'm, I'm not even sure why, why Quincy Pondexter is still on the roster. I thought for sure he would have been waived or, or just bought out by now. So, like, yeah. so I guess you can throw him into that conversation, too. Yeah, I have no idea. Does does Pondexter make the team? Uh, I mean, he shouldn't. Uh, they, <laughs> they don't have. We're, I'm I'm only looking. If you look at like their, they have less than 15 players under guaranteed contract. So the, he wouldn't technically. I don't know who they're necessarily trying to get. Uh, you know, young Watt. Like who who are their fringe candidates to make the roster? Like, is there anyone you think right now that's just on there that is is going to stick? But my point, I guess my question being, who the hell is coming for his roster spot? <laughs> That's yeah, I I don't know, I don't know, man. Uh, maybe maybe you can get Nawaba. I don't know if he can play the. I don't know if he can play up to the three. It's just funny that they're they're like they have enough guards and they were like, <laughs> no, let's just you know let, let's just give him a look. You know, we got Rondo, gotta get another point guard. Yeah. Um, and you know, is it? Is it is it Jalen Johnson? Like I, I don't you know it's just, like maybe he's the guy, but even then I think let me let me count what they what they have here. It's got three, six, nine, and four. So they have two roster spots left. I, I don't Quincy Pondexter isn't necessarily in danger of not making the team, especially when there was talk that they would eventually get rid of Cameron Payne too. Yeah, after what was it last year they called him the point guard of the future? I actually liked Cameron <laughs> Payne as a rookie. I just it was probably just 
that kind of thunder effect where he was playing alongside Durant and Westbrook, and then you go up against second units with one of them in the game, and you just look like a super stud. But I, I was on, I was in on him. I didn't like the trade for him, but I really liked him as a player. Yeah, see, like McDermott would fit perfectly in this in this uh, wing rotation now, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just. <laughs> And that's the other thing is like I saw a question on Twitter, maybe it was an article, and I can't remember who it was from. Have they finally given Fred Hoiberg uh, the team that he needs to coach? And the answer was a resounding no, because this is not a pace and space team yet. Maybe maybe they're kind of a fast paced team. The Bulls were twentieth in possessions used per forty eight minutes uh, last year, so you want to see that number come up. You're a little bit younger, so you can hopefully get up and down the floor quicker but this no you, you didn't give Fred Hoiberg his team ever since he's come here and I you, you could talk about he's not good at managing egos and he needs, needs to be more outspoken like criticize that all you want the, you, the Bulls haven't given him a team that he can actually coach and that's not happening now maybe because they've hit reset that'll be good for his job stability because the Bulls have to know they're gonna suck and you have to look at this team and say we really haven't given him what he needs like he doesn't have that pick and roll playmaker uh, that we know is going to be really good. Uh, he doesn't have a, enough shooters. I mean, let's count who who's going to shoot thirty six percent or better from three on the Bulls next year. I'm going to just throw Zach Levine in there whenever he comes back. Let's say he does it. After that, I don't think there's a single person who's I would say even sixty percent guaranteed to make that mark. Yeah, I mean, I think that's accurate. But I think they also so. The talent might not be there, but I think they got players who fit that that Hoyball profile. As in, the talent level might not be what you would want it to fully play, but you have guys who seem like maybe they're not actually going to shoot 35-40% from three, but they're going to take those attempts, I guess. Um, what I mean by that is like someone like 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 Baby, Baby Derek, Lori Markkinen, stretch the floor you got zipser to stretch the floor um you got some like more athletic guards i would i would give don don grant right levine you got athletic guards who are going to run run the court and you don't have those slow methodical players like like rondo or wade or butler um so you've got you've got players who might not have the skill as the previous roster but they fit more and they'll play at a higher pace and I guess hoyball like basketball just minus the actual talent I guess <laughs> that's true if, first of all if this team is going to play faster that'll just help period yeah, because it'll exactly. open up more things for Fred Hoiberg to do um, but I don't think by any means we're going to be able to look at this team and, and call it a Fred Hoiberg special or, or deliver any sort of referendum on who Fred Hoiberg is as a tactical coach. It's easy to say that he's failed because the Bulls have sucked uh, or been mediocre to sucking, but like really they, they've just kind of stunk. Like, Are we talking differently if they win that first-round series against the Boston Celtics? And, and that's really scary yeah. as hell <laughs> when you think about it. I wrote about this, uh, about whether they should break it up or keep it together, and I came to the conclusion that they were going to keep it together, but they should break it up. I was actually a little bit... A Jimmy Butler trade, I guess, kind of always felt inevitable, but I, I just assumed that the Bulls were going to try and or that they would refrain from hitting or pounding the reset button. And that well, if they win that series, we're probably talking about the three alphas still on this team, which is just 
outrageous. <laughs> well, so I was actually I was the reason why I was sort of sort of relieved, right, when they when they actually did hit the reset button because I actually assumed they weren't going to because this was a classic Bulls team that didn't have that shouldn't have made the playoffs. They really shouldn't have made the playoffs at all. It's just the East is garbage. Um, and somehow Wade wills I don't I don't even know how he does it. But somehow his teams end up in the playoffs all the time. Uh, but it's it's the classic Bulls situation, right? How how many years did they get that eight seed or seven seed, six seed, right? That like low end Eastern Conference uh, playoff spot that was probably around five hundred or just below. And and Gar Pax uses an excuse like, hey, actually we're a playoff team. We can't hit can't hit reset. We're only one piece away. We're a Dwayne Wade who's 33, 34 with no knees or like a Rajon Rondo who's a locker room cancer. Um, that's that's all we're that's all we're that's the only players we're away from like actually making it to the Eastern Conference Finals and they're getting trounced by LeBron as usual. And it's just it's just stu- such a testament to how how crappy this this front office is that you you having watched this and saying like hey yeah, they need to hit the reset button, but they're probably not going to. It's just such a testament to that, that this this front office has continued to 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 live off their like eight spots in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, which isn't a whole, which isn't really a great spot. <laughs> and you know what's kind of scary is that by hitting reset though, and and this is, I I, I guess this is. I, it's just the the bad side of it. Like this is the pessimistic approach. It, like Garpacks kind of just afforded themselves some extra job security. Oh, can, they can definitely re- did. Can you really can them when the Bulls <laughs> win 15 games this year? No, you can't because it's by design. And it, yeah, you know, what if they pitched to ownership? You know, this is part of our like three to five year plan. Yeah, no, that's that's the biggest problem, right? Is that is that now they finally did it? Like right before, like everyone's calling for their heads. Now they hit reset and like, hey, and now they can go and say like, hey, actually we had the guts to like, to completely hit this reset button. Like we're, we're really thinking about the future of the team here and they can spin that. They could totally spin that. They've shown that they can spin that. I don't know what Razendorf's doing, but he likes them. And, and like Garpax, what, Garfor, or was it, was it John Paxson's brother or something is like now like an even higher up in the front office. And like gets to make decisions. I I don't understand how 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 this how these guys still have jobs. I mean I do, but I don't. <laughs> it was who is it? SB Nation's Ricky O'Donnell wrote a fantastic takedown of the Jimmy Butler trade, and then wasn't he just like not credentialed for the first time in forever to Bulls Media Day? Yeah, I was is... confused by that because he, he like it definitely sounded like he wasn't, but then that tweet disappeared. Like it completely disappeared off the face of the internet, and no one mentioned it again. But like, I definitely saw that he was like, he wrote that takedown piece, completely ripped the front office apart, ripped the management, ripped, ripped everyone apart. Yeah, it was completely justifiable. And then he, and then on media day, he was like, he tweeted out, he was like, for the first time in forever, I'm not going to be there because I wasn't credentialed. And like, sure, that's what happens when you write a takedown piece. I mean, obviously you shouldn't, but they have that power. I mean that's that's petty. That's petty yeah. politics right there. <laughs> that's 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 disorganization. Um, and you you can't have confidence, and and that's probably we can't even say that this is the lesser of two evils. Like the Bulls could have kind of doubled down on what they saw in the first round of the playoffs last year and and steered in 
to trying to build that core into something special within the East. Uh, or there's this where now you hit reset. Yes, you're stuck with guard packs, but now, hey, you've hit reset. You're rebuilding. Like the Jimmy Butler saga is over. Oh wow, over, over. Um, it's it's it could it could it be the eviler of two evils? Like is the worst of two evils? Because if they continue down that path, guard packs or this front office or or this regime, like then everyone has to get canned at some point. Like if you keep trying to win and you're not winning. Um, or was it just a matter of, well, if next year just went to crap, they would have just been able to hit reset and afforded security that way? It's just – because you look at them and you can't trust – even based off down to the Jimmy Butler trade, uh, the way that they value draft picks, the Jordan Bell situation is a disaster. Um, what rebuilding team – explain to me what rebuilding team – going back to that, sorry. I, it just makes me irrationally angry every time I hear that. What rebuilding team needs an extra $3 million – Instead of uh, a super uber athletic second round pick, maybe they just knew that they were going to resign Cristiano Felicio, and they were like, "Hey, yeah. screw it, we're going to give Cristiano thirty two million. We don't need Jordan Bell." I mean, this is again. I would like to. Well, we're going to get Jordan Bell. First of all, has a nickname called Swatter Boy, and I think that's one of the better, more understated <laughs> nicknames in the NBA. That seems more like an ownership decision, right? Because why would you know? Garpax isn't that three million dollars isn't going into their pockets, so like Reinsdorf just want maybe that was just an ultimatum. Like no, we if they're going to offer us three point five million in cash, we're going to take it. So but perhaps that's it. It's just, but at the same time, like if I am, if I'm Garpax and I know the Warriors are willing to give me three point five million dollars because of Jordan Bell and then guarantee him. Uh, I, I think another it comes to like another two million. So now all of a sudden they've paid uh, more than five million dollars for for this player they've invested in. Like I might think, hey, you know, maybe, maybe he's pretty good. Maybe you go to to Reinsdorf and and you petition to kind of keep this pick. I just that decision I won't throw at their feet. It would probably be their job to talk them out of it. But that just seems like an ownership decision, their choice to say, hey, we're, you know, we want the three point five million in cash. Yeah, it, it might be, and it's it's funny because Reinsdorf has been known as being super, a super cheap owner. Um, going going back to I mean to even to the White Sox, Chicago White Sox, right, his baseball team, and like it's only until recently that they hit the reset button and like traded away everyone and like completely committed to to 100% sucking, and they've collected a ton of assets, and I just I don't know if if he can do that with the Bulls because the NBA is a whole different beast right you don't have this i mean you have the g league but you don't have this like giant farm system you don't have legitimate assets tradable assets is the is like even the bigger issue right and so why would you not just like get one of those young guys right commit a couple million to it and then move forward it just doesn't make sense to me and i maybe it's an ownership issue and maybe i mean Either i know way, a lot it's of people further proof calling. that like you you can't trust them yeah to, yes, to, this collective to author this, this rebuild. Yeah, this collective of Reinsdorf, Gar Foreman, and John Paxson. You can't, you can't trust any of them. I don't think you can trust any of them. The silver lining here, though, might be since they're going to have to make a decision on Zach Levine immediately. If the, if that ends up just being a bad contract, then then maybe their timeline is just going to be abridged anyway, and they and they'll get canned. The flip side being, 
all right, so Garpax is gone because they signed Zach Levine to a bad contract, but then that just means that Zach Levine is on a bad contract and you have him. Yeah, I – jeez. I, I, every time you keep mentioning these things, it just makes me more and more depressed. Like I came into this, I was a little bit excited. I was like, hey, like some of these guys have a little bit of potential. What is, and... what is the Bulls' identity? Then? Like, as I said at the start, now that we're deeper into it, I'm not excited to watch them at all. It has nothing to do with – I'll watch a bunch of no-names. One of my favorite teams to watch or guilty pleasure watch last year, uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets. They didn't have Jeremy Lin for a good chunk of the season. They just played fast and free, and they shot a ton of threes, and Brooke Lopez was passing – uh, and even if you just remove Brook Lopez from that equation because he is kind of a draw unto himself, they were just fun. And I look at this roster, and I don't see fun. Maybe they'll prove me wrong, but I'm just not the least bit excited to, to watch them. Maybe that changes when you get Levine back, assuming he still has some spring. But well, you look at them, and it's they're faceless. Like, what is their identity? How are they going to play? And that's what you kind of, you know, who has the best chance of actually developing these are the types of things you need to look for when you're watching a rebuilding team and i'm just not enamored with any layers uh, of the, of the bulls right now all right so if you had to pick if you had to pick one guy right one guy on this team that you think is going to develop the most outside of Levine, who you got i don't know that i have an answer and that's the problem that I, I i'm gonna say I, I honestly have nothing. I'm. I think I'm gonna roll with Chris Dunn. Okay, that that's probably that's probably the betting answer. That's probably Vegas odds are probably on Chris Dunn, right? I, I mean, maybe Markinen or we'll, we'll just call him Baby Dirk. Baby Dirk. On. He's just. And we talked about this before we jumped on. He's interesting because he should be that stretch big. I'd like to see some lineups with him at center. He probably won't be able to handle them defensively. Uh, I would. I did going into the draft. I did think when you looked at his numbers, assist wise, they didn't line up with his talent as a passer. But and and that's good. That it seems like he could be a good passer. At the same time, I still think he's probably closer to the Ryan Anderson side of the spectrum than someone like Kevin Love. And that the middle ground would be we want someone who was like Dirk as a passer. He was never this you know guy who was necessarily bringing the ball up the floor and dishing off a ton of pick and rolls, but he was a serviceable passer, and that's probably what you want him to become. I don't know. Maybe Hoiberg's able to turn him into that player. Like, if that happens, that opens up a whole different part of his game because he should at some point uh, put his scoring together. Uh, I I guess we would imagine his shot will come, although we've been saying the same thing about Miritich. Uh, but he has some nice game off the dribble. Maybe he'll be exciting to watch. I don't know. It's clearly between him Baby Dirk and Dunn, though, is the answer to that question. Dude, Jerry and Grant, man. Jerry and Grant. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I'm just – I look at last season with his shooting as just such an outlier, and the the offense, like at times it looked better with him, and then at times it looked worse. And it was – I mean, he, he ate into Ray John Rondo's minutes for a little bit. And one of my favorite podcast pastimes is how I vacillate between saying Ray John Rondo and Rajon Rondo. <laughs> I think it's Rajon, right? It is. I'm, I suck at pronunciations, and it's not that. I'll Google like how to pronounce names. I, I suck at it. Like it's it's not even a sign of disrespect, and I I don't think it's a sign of laziness. <laughs> I must just have like this secret like speech impediment where I I can't pronounce stuff even remotely correctly. Yeah, I dude, I I just don't know. I think third year. I think 
Jaron Grant in his third year is going to be that guy to watch throughout the season. I mean, sure, it's not going to be a pretty game to watch. You're looking at a team that's that's best player is Robin Lopez, who shouldn't even be getting as many minutes as, or whose whose minutes are going to be limited by Cristiano uh, Felicia, right? He just got that big contract. Um, and this team's not going to be fun, but I Felicio might be the best developer. I don't know. I'm. I'm oh, I, here I, we go, dude. I I think I'm I'm in on Felicio. Right, we gave that contract. Dude's big. Dude has soft hands. He's got a nose for the for rebounding. I I think he can be like one of those like mid tier, maybe low low end, but like solid, like decently solid NBA centers. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, one was anyone giving him four and thirty-two million? Like the the way the market was unfolding, I'll give the Bulls a pass because it happened so early, and I think the it's not you look at it and it's not one of the, the crummiest deals by any stretch. Uh, if they would have waited out, I I think you could have gotten him for cheaper. But yes, there's also no way of knowing that he he is a pretty good uh, rebounder. Uh, he's sneaky on the offensive glass. He he, he was good there last year but like what i don't know that you can call like he he just seems like he's going to end up being a, a clearance racks al jefferson at best <laughs> and that i mean and it, i don't even know if he has the pass like the keen passing eye to do that um, is he ever going to develop some real offensive range he and I, I looked this up before he took 48 shots outside of five feet of the basket last year and he only made 15 he shot under 32% outside five feet of the basket. Like, that's not – in today's NBA, that's just not going to fly. He's not – to me, his footwork looks kind of cool sometimes. I don't know if that can be <laughs> be construed as effective, but he's not necessarily a good post guy. He's not a good post defender. Uh, he is – he was – there were just some times that he was a pretty good rim runner is what I'm just gargling out right now. There's that – like, there's – there are parts to his game that I guess you could like, but what are you doing with this kind of center in today's NBA? Like, what what are you turning him into? Is there just hope that, hey, he'll develop more of a jumper, he'll be a little bit better of a passer, or his rim protecting will be more consistent because there are times where it looks like he might be able to hold his own there, and then there are times where it looks like he's a turnstile? It, it's so bizarre to me. I don't know how you watch him and get excited, I guess, is my <laughs> long-winded point. Because you get... You watch him getting excited because you have to watch the rest of this team, and there's not really a whole lot to be excited about. I don't know. I think I mean he he was he went six for eight last night against the Pelicans. He hit a 15 footer. Like maybe his jump shot develops. Maybe this is the year. I think he he led the team with like 15 points, something like that. Um, he's got good feet. He can defend and pick and roll. Um, he did a pretty good job on Boogie last night. I. I don't know, man. I I think I think his his scoring. I think he can, he can get some scoring from the post if he develops that jumper, right? That like fifteen footer, then they're going to be in good shape with him cleaning up the glass, rebounding, right? You said sneaky, sneaky on the offensive end. Uh, I think he was one of sixteen people, right, to get at least four offensive and six defensive boards, like per thirty six, which is which is pretty impressive, right? When someone who's like considered mm-hmm. pretty much a no name, um, and I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Garpacks read one stat and we're like, "Hey, you're worth thirty-two billion now." They um, seem like the Knicks front office uh, 
that they would have entered 2017 and just treated it like 2016. <laughs> they didn't give out any like hugely bad contracts. But once you get Justin yeah. Holiday for two years and nine million, which was also a deal that was done pretty early, like you kind of have yeah. to, you know, the, the Felicio deal. It's just puzzling to me. I don't think it's a terrible deal. Maybe it winds up being an okay deal. But he's like I said before, he seems like he's going to be kind of a clearance racks Al Jefferson at best, and that guy is probably or has to come off the bench in today's NBA. Like, give him minutes over Robin Lopez. That's fine. He's he's younger than Lopez, so when, and Lopez shouldn't really be playing heavy minutes for this team, but can we take a moment and pour one out for Rolo? I mean, he goes from signing with the Knicks, uh, and he was playing pretty well, but he was stuck in the triangle, and then you get traded to Chicago, and you, you get screwed with the three alphas, and, and now you're on this rebuilding team. Uh, it's, I mean, you're making okay money, but his contract still looks fine. Uh, even with the market crunch, I just, poor Robin Lopez. Yeah, I, I, I do feel bad for Robin Lopez. Um, I'll thoroughly enjoy every time he gets in a fight with a mascot. And I think that might, you're, you're like your points before, right? I think it might be the most entertaining part of this season. The most exciting part to watch. Um, I'm a masochist, so I'll probably watch a lot of Bulls games on League Pass and I'll I'll probably cry myself to sleep, but, but I, yeah, he, he's not exciting. He's a, he's just, he's a hard worker. Right. And like, he's probably the best. Yeah. I I, I keep hating. I hate to keep saying this, right. He's probably the best player on this roster, but he shouldn't, he does. He shouldn't be getting the minutes, which is such a weird, weird concept. Yeah. It's such a weird concept. I, I mean, it's a point they could reach with Justin Holiday next year. Just you know, if you sign a wing or you draft a couple wings, like he shouldn't, he he shouldn't be getting those minutes over <laughs> youngsters. But he's he's good, so and watchable. And I think you, that's probably the only reason you watch the Bulls now is Rolo and his fights with mascots. Although you know that they might be the team, the one that really just kills his soul, this squad where he just doesn't even have the enthusiasm to go after those mascots. Yeah, I don't know. And you know what's crazy? I had no idea that Robin Lopez was only 29. I had no idea the Lopez twins were only 29. Yeah, That's not, insane to me. Yeah, they're not really that old. I, and if I'm Robin Lopez, like, I'm just – let him chuck threes or something this year. <laughs> you know, Brooke does it. Uh, it's just – and Brooke did well, but it's just on this team, just do it. Like, just just try. I want to see some, like, really wacky stuff from Fred Hoiberg. Like, get inventive to the point – you know you're going to lose a ton of games. Get inventive to the point where, hey, maybe it doesn't make sense – but you know, just just do it. Robin Lopez shooting threes, Justin Holiday being your primary pick and roll ball handler. You know, once Zach Levine gets back, run out those four guard lineups. You you just want Hoiberg to put out a product that gets you excited to watch, don't you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I and another guy who's interesting on this roster. I'm well. Let's maybe fast and loose with the word interesting there. <laughs> Nikola Mirotic, his his contract is fine. Well, it was what was it two years and twenty eight million, twenty nine yeah. million. So yeah, something like that. Yeah, like that two year deal is fine, but he they're already talking about they're gonna have to use him at the three, which is just no. He needs to be the four, and that's where his mismatch is. And is he ever gonna be a league average shooter? He's been in, he's now been in the NBA for three years. He's only shot over the league average from deep once in those three years. Is that the anomaly? Is it just because the Bulls' teams that he's been on just really haven't been able to space the floor, so anything you get from him is lucky? You could you could see a situation... Like, the fact that we're not talking about him as their best player is a problem to me. 
and that shows more about probably how the Bulls have used him, but just also his own lack of development. We're talking about a guy who's entering his fourth NBA season. He's 26 years old. Like, he's not well, – we should be talking more about him, and this just doesn't seem like a team that's conducive to him developing. I mean, if if, if Hoiberg really goes off the rails, you can run Miritich marking in lineups as, like, 4-5 combination. Maybe that's something you do to try and generate space, and you just say F the defense, or you put in <laughs> – you put in Chris Dunn, and you hope that that he'll you know he'll give you some defense at the two, or maybe you can kind of stretch him um, to the threes. You have Justin Holiday there, so that's two guys who could be even defenders, maybe at like that might be a fun lineup to watch. I just I, I don't know what Miritich is to this team. He he should be a power forward. I think Hoiberg ultimately is able to carve out most of his minutes at power forward. I, I just but looking at the roster setup, he is going to have to end up at the three a little bit, and that's problematic as well. Yeah, I mean that's a great point with the with the lack lack thereof wing depth, right? Um, just the complete yeah. absence of it. But Paul, <laughs> like, Paul, I mean, if we're going to remove Quincy Pondexter from the conversation, you have Justin Holiday and Paul Zipser. Those Dude, are I'm, your true wings. I'm in. I'm in on Justin Holiday. I'm in on Jerry and Grant. They're going to be great this year. You're not in on Paul Zipser, Relatively. though. I'm. I'm not. I think I think I see it there. I was in a little bit for that like week. I think it was a week. Like everyone, like all of Twitter was in on Paul Zipser, um, and then he everyone found out that he doesn't know how to hold on to the ball. <laughs> but but I I actually would love to see that 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 four put him at the four, put Markin at the five. Screw defense, um, which I, honestly I think this team is going to be pretty garbage defensively. Uh, they're probably going to give up like 109, 10 points a game, <laughs> something like that. I don't know how many they're going to score, like maybe like 85. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of a team that's going to be worse defensively than them. I, maybe Brooklyn, maybe the Lakers, that maybe the Knicks. I, like I, those are the only ones I could really just come up with. The yeah, Suns I don't possibly, but I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know if they're they'll be bottom five. If they if they're not yeah. in the bottom five, that's called the win, or maybe it's a loss because you've probably <laughs> added wins to your bottom line. Yeah, that's that that's probably accurate. Yeah, bottom five, hopefully. I guess it feels weird. It feels weird to me that I'm excited to suck, but but I guess that's just how how rebuilding works breakout candidate for this roster if you had to pick one we're just we're sitting back we're looking at the season we're saying damn he had a really good year and that's like that that's something that we can be excited about jerry and grant i'm in i told you (laughs) i just i don't see it what about bobby portis so so bobby portis confuses the hell out of me i don't like i don't know what he is i don't know what he does well I feel like he's okay. He's like okay <laughs> across the board, <laughs> which, which like I don't know where, I don't know where I see the potential. I it would be it would be interesting to me just because he is uh, pretty athletic to just see what he would look like as a rim running five. And I I know that that's not necessarily supposed to be his natural position, but because he's like lean, but he's also six eleven. He has some bounce to him. He. Yeah, he's he can shoot kind of you know he went thirty three point three percent last year on almost a hundred attempts which is at least 
uh, it's something. Like if you can get your big over that thirty three percent mark, like that's kind of an o- okay thing. I'd be interested to see him get more of his minutes there. And but he's another one where it's a dilemma. It's how committed are you to his development? Because there are times where he just looks absolutely lost defensively, and he's an, he's an okay rebounder. But why doesn't he block more shots? Was has always been one of my questions. Uh, it's he has he has the athleticism to do it. He has the tools to do it. He has the arms to do it. Why why doesn't he block more shots? Uh, how much are you willing to go, steer into him when you have Cristiano Felicio when you have Robin Lopez who we just said probably shouldn't be playing, but he's also likely your best player. How do you not play him? Like maybe it's a situation where in Phoenix last year they told Tyson Chandler and Eric Bledsoe to take the rest of the season off, but you're not going to get there until. <laughs> halfway through I just like how invested in him are you and do you even want to try him at the five like his the, the share of his minutes went down at center last year he he went about half the time as a rookie at center which is when people seemed to be really excited about him and it went down to less than a quarter of his minutes came at center last year what is he to this team yeah I don't I, I don't know if I'm sold on him at the five I think just to I think try have, it yeah I, I think you have to you have to use Marketing, you have to use marketing and and uh, Felicio at the five. I think you got to play, you got to develop Portis as like that. That's I don't. I, I almost want to say stretch four, but I don't know if he's a stretch four. Is the biggest issue, um, and that's what I get so confused about with him. It's like it's like I don't know. It doesn't feel like he fits. I I I don't know what his skill set is that he fits as a as a four on this team or if you're saying he's you, you're saying you think he could be fun as a five. I'm all about the fun factor with you. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a reason to watch. Oh man, I, mean, I, I think so. We can be in agreement though that I think one of the goals of this season has to kind of be that there should be points when two of Nikola Mirotic, Laurie Markkinen, and Bobby Portis are on the floor as four fives. Like, I don't want to see a, a bunch of 3-4 with Miritich uh, at, at the three and then one of those other two at the four. If you're going to put all three of them on the court and Miritich is going to be your de facto three there, then give it a shot. But I, I would like to kind of see them test out that, that little tricycle as, as a four and five uh, rotation. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm with you completely. Use use three of them, those three, you get them in that four or five rotation where it's not – Hmm. How how would you feel about it? I mean, I know you don't want Miritich at the three. You run Miritich at the three. You run uh, what Portis at the four and Markin at the five. I mean, That'd I'd watch fun. it. Like it, it could it could be fun. Um, I'm also again I'm for the chaotic route. Like let's throw Lori Markin in at the five, Miritich at the four. And you run Chris. You, you run, run Dunn and then just done at point because you need defense. Put Justin Holiday as your wing, and then maybe when Zach Levine's healthy, throw him at the two. Like. That's probably a fun lineup. That lineup should be able to score points. Yeah. So, I, I, honestly, I think – so, going back, I, I made that joke about the 85 points, right? No, there, I think this team couldn't score. I think this team can score a lot, but it's just going to be based off pace. Like, they're going to they're gonna run the floor. They're going to score a lot of points. I think there are players on this team that can, like, get points. It might not be very efficiently, but I think, I think there are guys here that – that they're gonna high, high, they're gonna hustle. They're gonna run the floor, score a lot of points, a lot of possessions. Um, they're just on the other side. They're gonna give up super easy baskets. Yeah, I don't get, name me how many plus defenders are on this roster. 
like three. That might even be high. No, uh, Robin Lopez. I I forget about him. Robin Lopez. Maybe Justin Holiday. Maybe Chris Dunn. Yeah. Feliciano, man. I think Feliciano can do a little bodying. Big. He's got a big body. He looks like Shrek. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just I'm trying to just see. I'm just trying to see it, and I just don't. I just I I don't, and I I I I don't know. Maybe I'm too low on him. Maybe I haven't watched enough of him. But I want Bigs. Uh, to have range and to protect the rim and be able to switch pick and roll now. And I don't know that he checks any of those boxes. <laughs> I would say he does not. I mean, he's tw- okay, he's 25 and he's going yeah. into his third year, may- maybe. And again, his footwork, like I said, I'm all about that fun factor. Yeah, dude, dude's got a dancer. Got a little bit of a, a little bit of Jack Brazilian. Uh, Jack be quick in him. Yeah, Brazilian dancer in him. Um no, I think I think he can I think he can he can move can move defensively. I think that's gonna be the big thing, right? So he can move defensively, he can guard he can guard those bigs that you described. And I think that's gonna be one of the key reasons to keep him on the floor. Along with his contract. So what do you think I'm What's the ceiling? Let's start here, on the number of wins that this team can get. Like everything just works out best case scenario. Which could be the worst case scenario because they want to lose. But I just, <laughs> uh, just from a talent perspective, what would you cap their win total at? The most that they could feasibly get? I twenty twenty one. Damn. I, yeah, dude. I'm not. I. I. They're gonna give up way too many points to win. They're gonna give up way too many points. It's just for best case scenario. Like that's okay. I mean, so, I know that. I mean, they're. I, I, I don't know. Like, it's just. Uh, you're, you really I, we want... say that it's low, but I don't know that I'm willing to go any higher. Yeah, that that's that's the issue. Is like I was trying to think about. I was like, I was like, hey, like, all right, the Bulls usually screw around and end up in like that eight seed, right? They shouldn't be in that eight seed, but they, but the East is so garbage this year. Like, maybe, maybe they could scrounge up a couple more wins. And, and maybe not, because if you if you look <laughs> at it too, I'm, I'm just they kind of. Not from the way they're going to play or the personnel on their roster. Uh, they just remind me, just the situation they're kind of in reminds me of that Laker team from 2015-2016 that won 17 games. and that, like, Because they're not the Sixers, the tanking Sixers that are going right. to win 10. Like, I just don't see that no. as them. So maybe that, that seems like where there would be some... Then in that case, 21 would be the ceiling like that would 21 22 maybe but the east uh finally getting to this point that i was trying to make yes it, it's bad but it's bad in the sense that there there are too many okay teams but the bulls are distinctively terrible and that might help because i don't think you look at the east and who are who are the distinctively terrible teams this is distinctly bulls, ter- and bulls hawks right bulls hawks maybe, maybe knicks. the knicks but yeah. KP might be too good, and Tim Hardaway Jr. is an NBA player, and I'm going to ride the Frank Nielakina <laughs> train until I die. So you're going to lose. You're not going to be taking yeah. wins away from the middle class. You're going to get those losses, and that might actually drive down their win total even more. Yeah, I mean, if if I was a betting man, I'd take 15. Well, hold on. Oh, oh, all right. I was going to say, what's your worst case in there? All right, so you're, the middle ground's 15. That's your actual 15. projection. How We're, low could you actually see them falling, though? 11. 11 is probably like the I don't think they're I don't think they're a single digit team 
I mean, like you said, they're not the they're not that 76ers rebuild, complete trust process team. They're they're gonna win some games just by pure purely scoring points, purely scoring more points than others. And as stupid as that sounds, um, the issue is that they're gonna give up a ton of points. There's gonna be a couple games that they win that they they win like 120 to like 117, um, but but probably 11. 11 is probably as low as I go. 11, 12. And then, if I had to to bury the lead right here, I would say I would I would put them at a fifteen win team, realistically. I think that's fair. I don't think I'd really change. I, it's hard for me to see them dropping below fifteen at the same time. Maybe they could, but like you have to, you know, Robin Lopez either has to be shut down or or he's traded, um, or you you really have to like you have to miss on everybody. Like Zach Levine can't be yeah. the player that that he is. On offense, Jaron Grant That's... has to regress. Justin Holiday has to turn out to be a flop. And from what I've seen from Justin Holiday in the brief at the game and and a quarter that I watched him for the preseason, he he yep. looks he just tries his ass off. Dude, he looks good. He looks good. Um, but yeah, that I mean that eleven win that eleven win team is a team that that Zach Levine is not the player he's supposed to be. That's 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 what that team is, right? He fair. never comes back. He never comes back from that. Like fully comes back from the injury, he doesn't have that uh, freak athleticism that he had before the ACL tear. Where do they rank in pace this year? That's probably the I, I'm more interested in that than where than where they're going to be with wins. Dude, Hoyball number one. No, yeah. no, no, no. They'll probably be. I I would put them. I would put them at like in the NBA, probably like a upper upper third. Do you think that maybe maybe top ten maybe maybe top ten but like probably conservatively upper third? I don't think they're gonna go lower than that. Upper third's like not even impressive. <laughs> I, I'm just I mean, <laughs> like they should be should they not be like in the top five? Like when you're this bad, just run try and run people off the floor. Yeah, the issue is. How did so? I guess this this is going this is going to uh, to my understanding. Um, if you turn the ball over, how does that affect your pace? Like if you turn it over within like three seconds of a possession. Well, yeah, I mean, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I mean like end to end, like okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's let's go. Let's go aggressive. Let's go aggressive. Let's say they're they, let's say they're they're gonna be fun. They're gonna play some hoy ball. Hoiberg's gonna empower this team to like run and gun. Their talent, their lack thereof talent, is going to empower them to just run as as you said, run players or run the other teams off the court. Um, let's. I think they could be. I can be top five six team. I'm. I I think they should be, and that's that's where that would probably make them more watchable if they're gonna run. Um, they, the game I saw, and I mean, it's preseason, it was one game, but uh, that I watched most or part of, like, it was kind of like a little bit up tempo. Um, I don't know if that was because New Orleans scored 46 <laughs> points in, in kind of the first quarter. Um, and again, it's preseason, so it looked like they're headed in that direction, maybe. <laughs> they yeah, they see, need to be in the top five in pace, though. They, they have we, to be. I don't know that they will. But they because I don't think you look at this personnel and say, man, they're going to get up and down the floor. Uh, but yes. they should. See, we're, we're trading off these roles. Is uh, is what they should be versus like 
what we hope them they are and what they realistically actually are. Um, we're trading off these roles where I'm super pessimistic, and then you're like, yeah, let's let's have a fun team. Let's let's end up top five in pace. And then you have these other times I'm like, hey, Jerry and Grant, Justin Holiday, let's go. And you're like, no, they, they there's no there's no hope. <laughs> I I, you know, I hope I end up watching them more than I think that I'm gonna want. But I just hope watching them isn't this like. Like, it's just something I have to like, yeah, labor through. Just because, again, the Nets or even some of those bad Sixers teams, like I watched them and they were fast and they were just they were fun at points. So here's hoping that the Bulls are fun at points. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's gonna be a long, long season for me. And on that note, I think we've put a bow on all of this. That's a great. Po- I think that's a great point to just end on. Is, is <laughs> you just sort of reflecting on this existential crisis crisis that you have to go through as you try and watch the Bulls and figure out what in the hell you're you're rooting for. So unless Arjun has anything to add, um, I'm going to recommend that you get at him on Twitter uh, about his piping hot Bulls takes. You can find him at ArjunBug21. That's A-R-J-U-N-E-B-U-G. 21 if you want to talk to me i don't know why you would want to but if you want to i'm at damn valley f-a-v-a-l-e you can follow andy on twitter at andrew d bailey spelled exactly like it sounds please make sure to follow mba math at mba underscore math you can follow the hardwood knox official twitter that's at hardwood knox we appreciate subscriptions uh, ratings um, even just reviews bad or good on itunes about what you think of this podcast and he's not here so we won't be giving a shout out to his spirit animal of a point guard so until next time the iphone 10r is here at t-mobile and there's a whole lot to love like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share nice and how emojis now turn every facetime with the kids into fun time <laughs> In fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just 40 bucks a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today.
$30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus $20.84 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99, 0% APR. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.